Welcome back to Medical Mums Chat About Burnout. I'm Beck Lettingham, Rural Generalist, um, single mum, amateur podcaster, founder of Medical Mums, and uh, I'm burnt out. Have been for a little while and decided to set about finding out more about this and to chat to some people about their experiences and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, we meet Dr. Emily Amos, a GP and board-certified lactation consultant who has walked a meandering path through medicine. She herself had suffered burnout and now is a qualified yoga and meditation teacher and runs courses specifically for doctors to help them understand how mastering skills such as mindfulness and self-compassion can, in fact, make us not only happier, calmer people, but also help us better deal with the demands of this often challenging profession. You can find out more about her at www.dremilyamos.com and as usual, we'll have some notes in the show notes. If you recognise yourself as burning out or being burnt out, please reach out and get some help. Cheers. That it was kind of like the doctor light globe in my in my fuse box went out. Like I had sort of tripped the fuse, and everything else seemed fine. If I took medicine out of the equation, all of a sudden this cloud had lifted, and everything else was functional. You know, not optimal, but functional. Whereas when medicine was back in there, I was tripping the whole system. So I'm Emily Amos. I'm a GP, and I have spent the last two years I guess recovering from having burnt out in clinical medicine so I've carved a bit of a unique path since then which has been exciting. And um, what did burnout look like for you? I had a lot of time to reflect on that and for me I was I was in clinical general practice so I'm actually a lactation consultant as well and I was doing breastfeeding medicine so that that one-to-one patient interface and that was becoming increasingly difficult for me. And I found that I was doing all the hallmark burnouts sort of things of um, changing my practice. So I, I actually tailored my practice away from general practice down to purely practicing breastfeeding medicine, thinking that would, that would help stop me from feeling so overwhelmed and exhausted. Um, and I was practicing probably increasingly defensive medicine. I was taking a lot more time to write notes and worrying a lot more outside of work. And I had no self-awareness that this was burnout at the time. Really, I just thought I'd always been um, a very careful doctor. And it just seemed to be a heightened sense of of what I felt like I always had been. And I guess the, the tipping point for me was so innocuous that looking back, it seemed crazy that that this one thing tipped me over the edge. But it was just, a, it was a series of clinical encounters that like everyone has, you, you explain something, you feel like you've got a plan and you've done really well. But it turns out the patient probably taken something different from that encounter than what you were trying to convey. And it sort of sent me into a tailspin. And I had a series, I have a very first panic attack and just, just thinking the what if, what if this, what if that, what if this, could, you know, I always safety netted, but what if I didn't, what if I didn't do this properly, what if, and it just absolutely threw me over the edge. And I had this uh, panic attack that lasted about 48 hours. And I just sort of imploded with it. I just, I, I felt, I felt like I was dying without any of the physical symptoms. You know, I didn't have the tachycardia. I didn't have 
no shortness of breath. I didn't have anything like that. I just, I had this impending sense of doom. And I thought, okay, well, I'll take a week off work, maybe two. I'll take a holiday. Um, and I was booked out a few weeks in advance. So I, I thought I'll book in the holiday a few weeks from now. And then I went back to work on the Monday and I sort of made my way through the day, ended the day in tears. And I was hobbling through these few days. And then I got to Thursday. And I was ready for work, kids were ready for school. And I'm standing behind my front door, just about to leave the, leave the house and I just collapsed in a heap. And that's when I got all the physical symptoms of a panic attack. That was that crushing, um, just the world was caving in. My, my heart was racing, I could barely breathe. And I just completely fell in a heap. And I guess that's, you know, the burnout was this, rumbling fire for probably a long time and then there was this point where my body just physically gave out and that sounds like it's quite common to have that if you if you ignore it and if you're not on top or if you you weren't ignoring it because you didn't know what it was but if you if you if you wait long enough it seems like your body will stop you yeah Yeah. oh they're amazing things our bodies and in the lead up to this, I mean, I so I, I teach meditation and mindfulness and I was practicing mindfulness. I was actually at the time I was doing my yoga teacher training and I was doing everything that I told everyone else to do. I was seeing a psychologist. I was meditating, doing yoga. I was eating well. I was sort of, I guess, trying to mitigate the burnout that I didn't see looming over me. I just knew I didn't feel the top of my game and I felt overwhelmed. But the problem was, I think I lacked the self-awareness to see how bad I felt. Mm. I still felt like that I could micromanage and control my own burnout. You know, in hindsight, it was burnout. But at the time, it just felt like I was becoming increasingly stressed and less able to cope at the level that I had previously been accustomed to coping. And how many years into your practice were you? Were you, were you fellows? Yep. So I had fellowed uh, two or three years earlier and I'd taken a few years to fellow because I had my kids during GP training. So I'd sort of, I think that in, again, in hindsight, it's a great thing. Um, I started to recognize the professional isolation that I had felt by having kids during fellowship training. I left a cohort behind every time I went on maternity leave and in general practice, it's quite isolating as it is. You're not, you're not working really on a team in a, same way the hospitals are you're in a room on your own with patients and then I tailored my practice down to this subspecialty niche area within general practice again not realizing that I was probably further isolating myself professionally at the time so that became an extra layer of of difficulty and the I mean you hear a lot about institutions and organizations in their role in burnout but I was self-employed. I mean, self-employed people, and we make up a huge percentage of the medical population, general practitioners, but self-employed specialists as well, non-GP specialists. It, you know, there was no organisational reason for me to have burnt out. Well, I, I guess the thing that the, the institutions, though, might have contributed to a culture, do you think there's something about medical culture that, that yeah, makes us definitely. more susceptible to burnout? I mean, it's a loaded question because I, I think there is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but what would you say, what would you say the contributors uh, particular to being a doctor that contributes to burnout? 
I mean, we are, we're very used to being able to push through difficulties and achieve against all odds. You know, it's hard to get into medical school. And I, I tutor 30 medical students in mindfulness. There's not a lazy medical student amongst them. You know, everyone's coping it to varying degrees, but no one just slips into medical school, makes it through, and then makes it through fellowship training, specialty training by accident. Mm. We are a cohort of self-selected people who are used to pushing ourselves to achieve despite obstacles. And that becomes a personality trait that actually doesn't necessarily serve us well when we have obstacles like overwhelming sense of burnout that's coming because we're used to pushing through and we also know that in, in a lot of cases it does make us stronger to push through these hurdles and knowing how to decide which hurdles we should push through and then having the wisdom to see that some hurdles are actually our bodies telling us to rest and we're not so great at identifying those hurdles. I've heard a lot of people say but it was worse when, I, you know, it's not as bad as when I did this. I'm like, yeah, well, that was bad. So, you know, yeah. let's not take away from how hard those things are that we've put ourselves through, you know. Yeah, so. and we create a false dichotomy. We, you know, we, by having that in our past, as you say, that becomes the yardstick of crap. Yeah. And then when, unless we are exceeding that, it's that old adage, if you're not sicker than your patients, then you should be in the hospital, whether you're rounding or whether you're, in a bed as a patient yourself yeah, yeah and that is it is a pervasive culture in medicine but let's not forget that burnout is not medical specific it's in every I mean you can burn out as a parent it's it's when your demands outstrip your capabilities at that, that point mm-hmm. and what I failed to realize and what, what I failed to actually allow myself to accept I think I realized it on a purely intellectual level was that my capabilities are they fluctuate it's a dynamic state you know I'm so used to being I can do this I can do this I can do this but when I've got young kids who are unwell I've got a partner who needs me I've got stuff going on at home I've got extended family who are also needing things that level like my capabilities do fluctuate just because I've achieved at a certain level in the past doesn't mean that at this point in my life I need to use that same yardstick Mm. and in hindsight had I have pull back on the throttle a bit I would have been much better placed to not completely implode I would have been able to take some time and mitigate some of those other things you know medicine is a I guess an all-consuming master and we feel like the only reason to not be working full-time is when we have this legitimate reason of maternity leave or you know you put maternity leave sometimes for me at least on a pedestal as this, this was my holiday from medicine when in fact there's no lesser holiday than going on maternity leave. And if so many of us are looking at that as our chance to have a break, a legitimate break from this very demanding field that we've chosen to go into, we're setting ourselves up for failure because, as you know, Matt leaves no no walk in the park. And also people should be able to pull back on medicine for any other things like writing, you know, poetry or whatever it is. You know, it doesn't serve our... world well either to not allow people to Mm. be humans in the world experiencing the world and and filling their cup um and that's one of the tricks as well is that I still had energy have because I'm kind of only going through it now I think and trying to change things up but I still would have energy for 
So I did the medical mum sing in, solida- yeah. in solidarity choir. I which loved took that. You know, yeah. huge amounts of hours. And I, and I absolutely loved it. And I was like, well, I can do this. But I could do that because it was completely yeah. different, you know, actually giving me cup. something yeah. rather than just, yeah. So that was it. That was another reason I gave to myself that I was I should be able to complete all my, you know, yeah. duties as a mum and a doctor yeah. because I could do that. But um, I've got to change. I think that we all do though. You know? That's, that I've that... battled with it since burning out. Mm. I know that at this point in my life, returning to that one-to-one clinical interface, so that kind of patient-doctor relationship, I know that that takes up a lot of cognitive space for me. And at the moment, I'm doing really exciting things that are filling my cup as well. And it's actually, you know, it's in the space of doctor's wellness. And and I don't have the cognitive space to do that if I go back to that one-to-one clinical medicine interface. And so there's moments where I think to myself, oh, are you just, is this just a cop-out? Are you not coping with it? And then you're running away from clinical medicine. But the key, I think, is that self-awareness. It's being able to say, no, this is something I'm actually enjoying. This is really filling my cup and I'm very good at it. And there may be a time and place where I do want to go back to clinical medicine, but it's not right now. So making an active choice rather than running away, which, I mean, ultimately when I burnt out, that's what I was doing. I, I wanted to see medicine in my rearview mirror tell us about what you what happened next you know what did you do when after that kind of um so I obviously took some time off work um I was I was incredibly fortunate to be supported by my colleagues and my family so I can't um I can't thank all of them enough but I found um a psychiatrist who saw doctors and medical students and at that time I wanted to be admitted to a psych ward like I just wanted to I wanted to run away from my life and I had no idea how to do that other than to be locked away somewhere. Like that's how much, how much distress I was feeling. Um, but I was still micromanaging it. You know, I was still projecting outwardly and basically telling my caregivers, this is what's going on for me. This is what I think. This is, which, you know, it's, it's important that we are treated with some autonomy. And I am glad that, that I worked with a, a wonderful treating team who, did respect my autonomy and, and, you know, use my expertise in myself, which is, I wasn't the expert doctor, but I was certainly the expert in myself at that stage still. And that meant that I sort of took six months off. So what started out as three weeks, I got to the three-week mark and went, I'm not ready to go back. And then it, it just, it, it sort of just extended. And I think because I had a good mindfulness practice, you know, it didn't stop me from burning out, but it allowed me to have that time being a mum, you know, I, I was so involved in that and I was finding so much joy in that. It was really, I say it often, that it was kind of like the doctor light globe in my in my fuse box went out. Like I had sort of tripped the fuse and everything else seemed fine. If I took medicine out of the equation, all of a sudden this cloud had lifted and everything else was functional, you know, not optimal, but functional. Whereas when medicine was back in there, I was tripping the whole system. So taking that out, just gave me some space to start thinking and, and thankfully I burnt out around June and the APRA registration came up in September and so I was able to very honestly tick the box saying yes I've met all requirements yes I've so I kept my registration had it have been another time of year I don't know what I would have done um, when I was that fresh in the sort of the, the series of all my burnout 
I wanted to see medicine in the rear vision mirror. I didn't want to stay registered. I saw it as a ball and chain or a noose around my neck. I just wanted it gone. But because I could just keep it along and I had some wonderful advice saying just just keep your registration, let the dust settle and see how you feel in however many months' time. And so it got to about six months. And again, I had very supportive colleagues who said, do you want to try some surgical assisting? And that was great at the time. You know, it was a whole lot of teamwork and getting back in, into into the game, but very little responsibility in the scheme of things. And it was just the, the perfect segue to to stay involved in medicine and, and find out why I loved it again. And that sort of, that was the beginning of last year. And that's, I've kept going with that, but I've started to now bring through a lot of non-clinical pursuits. So teaching mindfulness, teaching meditation. And um, I started with a colleague of mine running retreats for doctors, um, teaching doctors mindfulness, meditation, self-care, and just trying to change the way that we talk about burning out or feeling overwhelmed with medicine or even just feeling like it's not what suits us at this point in our life. You know, we're not married mm -hmm. to medicine. We can have um, ebbs and flows and we can find points where we enjoy it more and points where we enjoy it less and just making that part of our normal discourse, I guess, and, and a more acceptable thing to talk about. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Where, where, where are you based? So I'm in Melbourne. I'm on the Mornington Peninsula. Lockdown and what and so and it, yeah so there's no retreats happening at the moment but um, where where do you do those in Victoria? So we, yeah we've had um had one down on the surf coast in Victoria we've had a couple up on the Sunshine Coast we've just had to postpone one that was meant to be last weekend um due to the lockdown up there but you know this is part and parcel of organising things during a pandemic you just have to be flexible but. It's, and how, and how can people find out more information about those? So wholehearted medicine is what um what we're called, and we've got a website with all the links. We've also got um, a lot of information on social media as well. Which again, it, it social media seems to be the place where we can start changing conversations a lot more rapidly. Um, and mm -hmm. and it's starting. You know, there's a lot of doctors on social media these days who are actually starting to talk very openly about their own struggles and myself included I, I tend to use my own social media account as something of an online diary of how I'm feeling and what I'm doing and, and a bit on mindfulness a bit on self-compassion yeah and um what do you think of COVID as a I think it's probably plunged a few people quick more quickly than they would have otherwise into a bit of a burnt out state yeah um and maybe that's why. And then people are finding themselves in these lockdown situations with maybe a bit more time on their hands to think about stuff because our busy um, extracurricular schedules have been interrupted. Yeah. But I, I guess when there's always something in your calendar, you just keep going, don't you? Yeah. So sometimes those uh, those forced stops are actually quite um, challenging. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I, I think that my major precipitant was doing the yoga teacher training. I felt like that actually pushed me further into burnout a bit faster and I think you're right I think COVID's doing a similar thing but most of us in fact probably all of us in this modern world are used to being busy and we use busyness as a distraction from thoughts and feelings that we don't want to have and then when we take mm -hmm. away the busyness we're just left with the noise of those thoughts and feelings that we've been trying to avoid by keeping busy and that's where the mindfulness really becomes something that I've 
just found to be even more integral in my life. You know, I, I used it as a, as a practice. I knew it was evidence-based and it was great. And I did it very intellectually before I burnt out. And the space that it cleared up in me to take clinical medicine away, to you know, burn out completely, has really opened up this space to actually feel into my mindfulness practice a lot more. And I can, I can see it a lot more in my colleagues and friends that that busyness that we keep trying to drown out the thoughts and feelings we're trying to avoid, the busyness being taken away is making it a bit more distressing. Um, but, you know, there's, there's another level of busyness now for, for people who are dealing with all the ramifications of COVID on healthcare. So there's the, both sides of the coin there, I guess. And um, you don't have to answer this question, but uh, what age are you? I'm 37. So I, um, I'm about 12 years out of graduating. 12 yeah. Years, and yeah, I, I mean, we were doing those big shifts, the cover shifts, the weekend shifts. The, and it's good to hear that things are changing. And I think it's hard to know what the answer is because I also see the merits in, I guess, the old guard of medicine saying that the more you're in the hospital, the more you learn because, I do agree with that to, a, to an extent, but there's got to be more supportive ways to, to get that learning experience, I think, and it's nice to see people starting to take that on board. And I've also been pondering, so I've, I've had some stresses in my life, um, probably a bit younger than I thought they would happen, like losing friends and you know major illness in people that I love, I care about, um, and I've been thinking about... Uh, the term that my parents would have used, which would have been midlife crisis, and just thinking, I think this is possibly that was burnout and and it's all those extra things like, you know, parenting's uh, a beautiful thing, probably the biggest positive in my life, I would say, but after a few years of it, it, you realize you don't realize how big it is when it's new and shiny and, you know, and and a few years into your parenting you're like, there's another load of washing. <laughs> always another load There's of washing, you know. <laughs> and um, and then you know these big things, these big life events happen, and you start losing friends. And yeah. um, I just I wonder if if that was what midlife crises were back in my parents' day. You know, if it's a similar phenomenon that we're we're just naming a bit differently, and we're a little bit more of a reflective generation to be able to put words to things yeah I think you're right and it, it seems to equate quite well with what I what my understanding of what a midlife crisis was I guess but you're I mean, yeah because people often left their jobs or yeah. you know like bought bought sports cars or whatever because I think the ways of dealing with things back then were probably a bit different too but maybe it's um you know something similar when just de- dealing with it in a in a in our generation's way which is more wordy and yeah. reflective hopefully yeah although I, th- I try mm. to be mindful of the fact that the way I burnt out is not the way everyone burns out and you know there's there's definite institutional changes that need to be made there's obviously a lot of people burning out in medicine for reasons that are unrelated to the reasons I burnt out but that being mm. said I think there's as you say that you know there's these common threads that have been going on for longer than I've been working <laughs> And it is just yeah. this cumulative demands of life. And the people I admire, the ones that I look at and think, gosh, you're, you're, you're not sailing through life, but you're doing life really well, are the ones who actually schedule in holidays and they balance 
you know, they balance their career against their personal life. And it's actually realizing that we do have some autonomy. You know, we can say that scheduling this and that they always, they've always got me on on the weekend and all these things, but we do have an opportunity to leave, to walk away. And I think that's the thing with medicine. Sometimes we forget that we do actually have autonomy. Medicine doesn't own us in the way that we allow they like, ourselves they like, to believe. Medicine likes to, yeah, medicine and they, and they like to peddle that. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I agree. I've, um, we do. I've been telling my juniors that, like, it, it, we're not, it's not the master. It's, it's self-serving for medicine to keep that, that idea that you must do what they say and you must stay on the treadmill, but you can get off. You're still a doctor. You get yeah. off the treadmill, have a look around, walk around the block. You know, yeah. Um, it don't don't buy into. The, it's like it's like they have a marketing machine like McDonald's. They've got the great PR says, machine. <laughs> yeah. We own you. You graduated, and I say this all the time. I mean, it's really interesting. You graduate your medical degree, and the word doctor comes before your name. You know, we identify ourselves as a doctor before we even identify ourselves as a person, and that's something mm. that happens from the very beginning. So the way we need to start changing this, yes. Clearly, institutional things and organisational level stuff has to change. I do not disagree with that at all. But I think each of us also have to challenge the the hold that medicine has over us. And, I mean, before I burnt out, I was still doing ED locums. I was still working in general practice as well as doing the breastfeeding medicine. I was tutoring medical students. I was trying to keep every skill I'd ever got as a doctor current and up to date and on my CV because I didn't want to lose anything. And the irony of that was that my brain was so overloaded that I was probably leaking information left right and center because I just couldn't retain anything I was so overwhelmed with that stress and anxiety of trying to stay at the top of my game in every different sphere of my life including parenting and I mean now I I feel like I am achieving so much more than I ever have at any other point in my life purely by saying okay well you've got this much that you can do you know your capabilities are this and you, these are your demands. You have to prioritise your demands. You can't have more than one number one priority and you actually do have to make tough choices. They're not fun. You know, making choices to not keep some skills relevant. I made that choice knowing that I might have to come back and reskill at some point. Should I want to go back into ED? That, you know what? That's okay. It was a hard decision, but that still is an okay decision to make. And we sort of, yep. that, that autonomy is just so important. We, we, we hand our, handle our autonomy over to medicine instead of taking back and saying, no, this is a skill that I have gained. I'll never lose it. I may have to upskill in the future. But this is something in my repertoire, my toolbox. It is my toolbox. Yep. I think we also need to realise our own worth. So very early on in my um, parenting life, I needed to take a mortgage holiday. And I didn't know they existed, but I called my dad, my mum and dad are kind of battlers, and said, well, I think I'm going to lose the house. And he goes, no, you're not. He said, it's not in the bank's best interest to lose, for you to lose your house. Ring them and they'll sort something out. They just, that, That's what they have to do. They don't want, you know, they lose. If you lose, they lose. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, that's quite clever. And I think it's the same in medicine. If we don't start to understand we've been invested heavily in and we're, our our net value to the system is actually quite high, even though they don't tell us that ever. Um, they don't want to lose a doctor. No. They're, they're, and the, the system needs to change to actually value their human resources more. But if they're not going to do it, we have to value us ourselves as a human resource, yeah. you know. 
So I think um, I'd like to see systemic change that, and I'd love to get an economist to tell me yeah. exactly how much we're worth, but I, it's a lot. I mean, I've heard a few numbers bandied around how much you're worth when you graduate medicine and let alone with years of experience behind you, which is in the hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars of investment. So, of course, it's okay to, you know, take the load off because you're this, you know, valuable entity all on your own. And what what would your tips be to anyone who thinks they might be experiencing burnout now? I think be open and honest with people who care about you. Um, I still tried to, well, I had this constant desire to keep it together, whether I realised that's what I used to do or not. But we're allowed to fall apart. I mean, we are we are doctors, but we're people first. We we can have times where it's harder. We can have times where we don't actually enjoy being a doctor. We can have times where we do want to drop back to 0.7 or 0.6 or 0.4 or whatever percentage of, of medicine suits us at that point. We can do that. And just being honest with ourselves, I think that if you start every um, solution you see, if you start with, oh, but I can't, which is something that I have traditionally done. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. I can't do that because I'm a doctor. Well, that's, it's just not true. And there is no situation where that is 100% true. And things like um, seeing a coach, perhaps, if you, you, know, you can see a psychologist or psychiatrist, you can have mental health support, but coaching can be very very helpful for just challenging those thought patterns that are so entrenched I can't do this you don't you know that we need to have some of those really deep set thought patterns sometimes challenged by someone who is not us you know we, we can be our own worst enemy sometimes so I think coaching for doctors is something that is a wonderful resource that is probably underutilized and seeking out a mentor I mean it's not the same as having someone who your job depends on, you know, you have mentors, but then we don't want to open up to them because we worry they won't give us a good reference or whatever whatever concerns we have. When I spoke to one of my best friends who um, works in sort of, he's a, a bit of a publicist and, and, you know, he works in business. And when, when I was burning out, I was talking to him about this. He says, well, who's your mentor? And I'm like, well, I don't have one. I've had supervisors. I don't have a mentor. He's like, no, you need to find one. If this is an accepted thing in business, everyone's, seeks out a mentor they have that difficult conversation where they say would you be my mentor it feels awkward but it's expected Mm. that people have mentors whether they're for a long time or for a short time for a certain reason and that's something that I think medicine we have supervisors not necessarily mentors and that's something that can be really useful as well excellent have you got any other thoughts you wanted to share I can only be thankful for the process I've been through. It was tough and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I, I would do it again because I feel like the, the wisdom that I've gained is invaluable. And there are big changes yeah. that need to be made. And I think the way that I want to live my life now is to help support other doctors to do that. And I find a lot of joy in that. And I feel like I do have um, a bit more authority than had I come to this point without having burnt out you know every every step's been part of the journey so I've got to be grateful for all of them thank you very much for being part of (laughs) medical mums chat about burnout (laughs) my pleasure thank you for having me